Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Eric Swenson, who during his NDE experienced multiple awarenesses. And today we're going to find out about it. Eric, thank you so much for being my guest and welcome. Jeff, thank you very kindly. Looking forward to the opportunity to sharing some stories and having some fun with you today. Great. If you don't mind, Eric, can we just start on the day that it happened and go from there? Absolutely. I live in Wisconsin, so it was a late fall day, almost winter. Um, I was about eight years old at the time. And uh, my family, after church on a Sunday morning, went to visit some friends And the friends had a pool outside. It wasn't really behind their house. It was kind of off to the side, kind of awkward. You kind of couldn't see it very well from the house. And our parents wanted us on inside because it was cold and windy and so on and so forth. But they they had not drained the water from their pool yet. And their pool had a bunch of leaves floating in it. So my brother and I and their three children, us five boys, were all kind of on our knees around the pool we happened to be on the deep end as it was. And we were using sticks to try to move leaves around. We were kind of playing a game. And our parents, our dads were out there with us. They kept saying, you have to come inside. No, we don't want to come inside. So after a while, the dads decided they were going to go inside. And so I can remember being competitive. I was right there on the edge and I was leaning over, leaning over, leaning over. And that's kind of when it all began. Uh, I've always had a great sense of balance, but in that moment, I ended up having this, what I would call almost a multi-dimensional experience. So um, I knew how to swim and we used to go swimming every summer. But when I fell in, um, part of my awareness was just being aware that that I'm falling to the bottom of the pool. And I just was in like a, almost like a baby-like ball, so to speak, at the bottom of the pool. Completely, completely comfortable. No fear, no anxiety, just in this little ball at the bottom. At the same time I'm experiencing that, I'm watching myself from above, like someone had a camera, I don't know, 20 feet above the pool, and watching me just go down and down to the point of just sitting on the bottom of the pool. At the same time, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, our fathers were there. They were getting cold, blah, blah, blah. They warned us about not getting in the water. And so they had had left and they had walked past the back corner of the house and they were almost back in the house. So at the same time that I'm feeling the feeling of falling and, and feeling just this comfortable, warm, at peace, um, positioning that I'm choosing at the bottom of the pool and watching it from up above, my brother, a year and a half older, gets up really quick, runs around the back of the house, and he starts screaming, dad, dad, dad. And my dad was talking with the other gentleman before he walked in the house. And my dad said, Chris, I'm talking right now. I said, dad, dad, Eric fell in the pool. Eric fell in the pool. So my dad then stopped. I'm, I'm watching all of this. My dad then stopped, turned around, ran, just yanked his shoes off and came right in after me all the way to the bottom. I was watching this from, so I'm I'm on the bottom myself watching from up above. At the same time, I'm watching my brother run around the back, um, get my dad. My dad comes running around, diving in. He dives to the bottom of the pool. When he gets to the bottom of the pool, he picks me up and he gets me out of the pool And when he got me out of the pool, which I saw all of that, then the multiplicity of experiences basically stopped at that time. What I don't recall, I I remember being on the side of the pool, now on the side as opposed to the bottom. But I, I don't remember, I still, no fear, no anxiety, no concern, 
just this profound peace. Um, and then I was awake and it was all over. So I don't know, <clears throat> the whole experience was probably a minute long, I would say. And the, the uniqueness of it for me was, it's interesting because I've, I've lived a life as you and I just shared, I've lived some really interesting experiences in my life, but it probably wasn't until 10 or 15 years ago that I started thinking, well, wait a minute, how did I actually see myself at the bottom? And how was I able to literally watch my brother running around and, and hear the exact communications going on between my brother and my dad, it, all those things at the same time. So it was really a, a beautiful experience and, and interesting for me because given the fact that we went swimming every summer, probably 20 or 30 times or more to the public pool, I could have easily swam and gone to the other side or come back to my side or gone to the shallow side and, or gone to the ladder. And I chose none of those. So interesting that at eight years of life that my, I had such peace about what was happening. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not quite a hundred percent clear why I chose that, but I was just at such peace and joy and happiness and, and um, calmness inside when it happened. Hmm. So that's the essence of that experience. Thank you for sharing your experience, Eric. Do you think it's possible that when you hit the water, maybe it was so cold that you just immediately kind of popped out of your body? <clears throat> so yes, and it's, it's certainly possible. Yet at the same point, I can remember just being huddled in this little ball at the bottom just so I, so I was certainly out to a certain extent being able to see what I saw, but at the same time, I was still completely in my body, fully aware that I'm just sitting in this comfortable little ball at the bottom too. So it's, it's, um, I've never had a fear of death in, in part because of my beliefs of that I develop even from a child which candidly differ somewhat from the religions that have been such a part of my life and so on. So I, again, I'm not, I don't know what I was aware of at eight, but I was, I'm surprised that that's the choice that I made as opposed to just swimming and having being done with the whole thing. It also though, at the same time, opened my eyes to an awareness that there's, yeah, I'm pretty good at putting things into words, not sure exactly how to put it into words, but the multiplicity of awarenesses were really precious and beautiful and impactful in my life. Did you notice or sense anything else going on besides what you witnessed? Like, did you hear any other sounds, other <clears throat> voices? Did you see anything else besides what was playing out in front of you? Um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd have to say no, with one possible exception. Probably a dozen or 15 years ago, um, I had read a book. I read a lot of books that were interesting to me um, that had metaphysical aspects to them. But one of the, was it Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb? Or was it, um, there was another, it may have been another one, but they talked about having the out-of-body experiences. And when I read that book, they talked about, perceiving like a like a silver um, beam, not the right word, a silver connection from from the body to where I was. And when I read that, it kind of brought me back to this experience and thinking, <clears throat> I may have experienced that. I don't remember clearly that I did, but I, I don't remember that I didn't, if that helps a little bit. Have you ever considered getting hypnotherapy to see if you pick up any other information that you may not remember from that incident? Um, <clears throat> I haven't thought about that, no. The incident has always felt so... Um, I mean, when I was a kid, I, don't, I didn't think much about it. It just was what it was. But I've had so many other experiences in my life that just another one to add to the collection, so to speak, and again, probably, um, so I, I'm not opposed to doing that. I think that can make great sense. I, I just feel like the, 
part of the gift or maybe the biggest gift in this was to have the multiple awarenesses at the same time. And especially with such crystal clarity, especially for example, when my brother popped up really quickly and ran around the back and watching him run around the back and seeing him approaching my dad and my dad saying what he said, I still can sense it as clear as day and then watching my dad come back. So I didn't relative to this specific event though, no. During the part where you were witnessing your brother and your father, was that just as real as, you know, you and I sitting here today or was it dreamlike? No, absolute crystal clarity. Every bit as clear as you and I, if you and I were standing next to each other today, that's how clear it was. I mean, I, I really, as I said, the pool is kind of oddly located or I don't know, oddly, but it, normally pools are like behind the patio doors so you can watch whoever's out there. You couldn't see anything from where the pool was. So to be able to watch my brother run back around the corner of the house, go back down, all of which was not even visible from the pool, it was a, a very different, um, yeah, and crystal clarity about the language, exactly what was said, exactly the actions that took place, seeing my dad run back and come get me and Pretty cool, actually, for me. Has the memory of this experience faded over the years, or is it still as real today as it was the day that it happened? No, it's still. Um, so it's been fun talking with you, of course. And when I share it, I can basically remember every single aspect of it fully in in full color and not really sound necessarily because, well, not sound when I was at the bottom because there was no sound but like the sound of my brother talking and stuff like that. Yeah. Very clear, crystal clear as if it happened this morning or yesterday or something like that. I know you were eight years old, but did you change in any way at that point in your life? Or did you just kind of go on living as an eight year old boy? I guess I would say that I went on living as an eight year old boy. It wasn't in any way impactful. Like, Oh my gosh, I went through this horrible thing or something like that. But I think it also, help build a foundation of just feeling at peace and feeling comfortable no matter what the circumstances. I am, you know, sometimes in life, like bad things happen, sometimes like in the spur of the moment, I'm like a great person to have around at that time because I will typically act in ways in that moment, I'll have the clarity, I don't get excited, I, I identify the situation, determine exactly what needs to be done and do it. That's my response as opposed to going, oh my gosh, or something like that. And this is probably one of many different building blocks that, that helped me develop that peace and that awareness that, that everything is going to be fine, even though the circumstances in the moment may not look like it. Do you think this experience was a catalyst for you having abilities, possibly psychic abilities? Years ago, I would have said that probably not, but no, without a doubt, certainly. Um, in my opinion, there's so much more going on um, than just living the day-to-day, what I sometimes refer to as the hamster wheel. Um, and when you step back, I want to be careful. I definitely engage in life. Um, I'm all in. I love living life. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for the way it unfolds. Even the times that you stub your toe, there's always a blessing in it. So I think it helped me really um, establish an awareness that there's something more and to be at peace with that. And I've mentioned a couple of times some of the other things in my life. I've had so many experiences um, that have been so profound, including in recent decades. My dad used to be a Lutheran pastor, and he had a lot of people in the congregation that passed away. And I was a little kid. Some of those people had known me for, you know, when I was a little kid, they knew me when I was a kid. But when I was in my teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, largely in that same church, there were people passing away that I'd known for 20, 30, 40 years. They had been good friends or taught vacation Bible school or uh, I went through confirmation with them or whatever. And I was crazy active in our church. So most of the people knew me well. And I had this great friendship with these people. I would show up at the funerals. And first of all, I didn't feel bad because I knew they were in a perfect place, even though you have to be kind of sad. And it was it was maybe unfortunate that their life journey had become complete at that time. But I, I knew that there was something so much more. But part of what happened to me over time is I'd be sitting in church and they'd be chatting with me. And I'd be like, okay, this is kind of interesting. 
And that happened to me many times over the years. And in several situations over time, I actually received like thoughts or perspectives to share with typically the surviving spouse or the children as it might be and so on, where I find myself in situations where my perspective and my, um, we had a, um, a family that joined our church because of the youth program, which I was running. And the gentleman was a, a principal at a local high school and a former student came in and put a bunch of bullets through him, which was very unfortunate. It was nationally, um, it was a national news item for several days. Well, as it turned out, my former wife and I ended up going to the hospital meeting with the wife there and she had no other family or anybody else there. They later brought the children in and we were able to be there with the children so she could leave them with somebody when they had they had pronounced him as they, the doctors couldn't do anymore and they came to get the wife to have her go experience that and they came out they had blood all over him from all the the things they had attempted to do to save him and we were these kids had become a huge part of our life our youth group was phenomenal these kids were so close to us and we were able to be there with the kids when their family, when their dad had had such a horrible experience. And it's it's not that I didn't care, but I cared so much for the, whoever continued to remain and, and um, was able to provide some really meaningful assistance in terms of helping them move through what was a pretty tumultuous process in their life. And certainly I'm not suggesting this alone was part of that but it was one of just a number of circumstances in my life including talking with and hearing from others my personal opinion is the veil so to speak is really almost non-existent my my father recently passed away i i <clears throat> okay so i was going through confirmation had this wonderful man as a confirmation teacher he was probably 80 years old i was in sixth or seventh grade and he said, who's God and who's Jesus? I said, they're my best friends. He said, oh, no, they're not. And I'm like, yeah, and I kind of pretty much think they are. And my whole life long, I feel like I can talk with Jesus anytime. I didn't do that in the past, but I, I'm happy to do that these days. And we can talk about that later, too. So there's just so much more going on um, than we're aware of. And it's not, it's never scary. The essence of all life, the essence of all life is unconditional love. We are so loved from the moment we're from before we exist until these our hearts are done in this journey and we continue returning home to where we came from and so on. And it just makes this this was probably one of the first of so many steps in my life or so many uh, foundational components that that help me understand life so much better and just be in joy, place of joy, probably 98% of the time. I still stub my toe from time to time or have those crappy experiences, excuse my language, but even in the midst of those, I know that there's always a perfect gift in it, even though I can't see it in the moment. And I always end up seeing it. it's like, oh, I get it now. I, if that wouldn't have happened, then this wouldn't happen. And I'm glad this happened. So it's perfect that happened, but it had, yeah, if that makes sense. So when you say you hear people, like when you heard them in church, are you hearing them with your inner ear inside of your head? Or are you hearing them with your with your outer ear as if they're out here sitting, you know, and you're hearing them, they're like next to you. So with the exception of one circumstance that I can remember, and I'm happy to share if you'd like, I just hear it inside. And I don't know, hearing, hearing's probably the right word. I just sense and feel such clarity mm -hmm. um, about, uh, yeah, I just, it's as if someone's speaking to me, but it's all in here. Do you hear it in their voice or your voice? Oh, that's a good question. Like, for example, when we read a book, we're reading, mm -hmm. but as we're reading, we hear it in our own voice, right? Yeah, I don't even know that there would be a, how would I explain the voice? I guess there was, uh, my first answer I, I'm going to say would be almost a neutrality. I don't hear, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you asked the question. It's not my voice, but it may or may not be their voice. It's just the the clarity of the words without any without any identification of the I, I know who it is, <clears throat> but I I don't know if it's like 
you know, one of the first times it happened to me in church, it was from a gentleman who passed who was really like, he was six, six and like 280, just a huge guy. And he had a deep, deep voice. I just felt the presence so clearly of who he was. And I was at his funeral. So it was pretty easy to know. So I, that's a great question. And I don't know that I've answered it clearly. I, there's almost a sterility to the voice, mm-hmm. but the message is clear and the sender is as clear as you are in front of me right now on the computer. That's interesting to think about because from what I've learned, and I'm not trying to debate you, I'm just, <clears throat> I'm wanting understanding, but um, part of your brain that's visual kind of overlaps auditory. So for example, back again to reading, when you're reading something, you're almost kind of hearing it in your voice as you read, right? And so I was kind of curious about how you, when you hear other voices, how it comes through. What about female voices? Does it still come in as a neutral voice? Um, <clears throat> yes. Do you see So I have words? awareness of... I'm sorry to interrupt. So I have, an, uh, I have awareness of the clarity of the message without a tonality to the words, I guess I would say. I was chatting with a woman I'd never met before, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago at an event. And I, I heard her speak at the, she brought up, a, she asked a question and I could see there was this, I just sensed this huge unrest in her. Like, and she was expressing a question, but you could tell her, I just felt like she was just distraught almost. And I had this feeling like, go talk with her. And so afterward, I went up and said, and as I'm going to talk with her, I'm getting this clarity. And I said, okay, I I know we've never met before. And I said, I don't know if you're okay with this, but I said, I'm sensing this is like a message. I think it had to do with her mom now that I remember it. And she looked at me and I said, okay, she's telling me this. And she's like, oh my God. And she started like crying. She said, that's exactly what she would have said and so on. So, so I, I don't, um, again, I guess I would say there's a sterility about the message sterility, meaning they don't, they, maybe they all, so hearing might not be the right word for what I'm saying. It's more of a crystal clear sensation. Mm-hmm. And then I just share what I, if I feel it's appropriate, I share it. And sometimes it's just, uh, the gentleman I mentioned that was so big, such a wonderful man. He'd known me since I was four years old. Mm-hmm. I was at our church and our church knew him so well. They were super active and we were in line waiting to t- to talk with his wife and share our condolences. And she'd known me since I was four and they were dear friends of mine. And I was probably in my mid thirties or something like that. Well, he was, he liked to laugh and I always liked to laugh. I'm standing in line talking with some friends. We're starting to tell stories about him. These stories are coming to me and I'm sharing them with like three other people that I know that are in line with me together. And all of a sudden I turned around and it was my turn and I'm, I'm laughing. He's laughing. I'm laughing. Everybody's sharing the joy of his life. And I turned around, the the line was moving kind of slow. And I apparently wasn't paying careful attention to the people in front of me. And suddenly when I turned around laughing at the funeral of this wonderful man, his wife's looking at me like, no. So in any event, I'm sharing that because a little offhanded, but yeah, I, I sense the spirit. I, I clearly have, know who it is and I sense the spirit, but a, a neutrality as to the, how I perceive the voices. I think hearing voices is almost like some NDEs in a way that it's hard to explain how you or the person who hears them, you know, actually hears the voices. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of something that's unexplainable. And from talking to so many people, that's kind of where I'm getting my feeling of what's going on. I've uh, been a part of literally hundreds of events over the many years, especially the last 15 years or so, many of which I've led or co-led or participated in where people are, I would say they're all, I'll use the term metaphysically based, so to speak, or rooted in that um People are very open about things. And what I've noticed over time is when people become very open, you sit in the circle, for example, and you're focusing on maybe someone's needs or, or a specific topic. It's amazing to hear the, the perspectives people share and how they perceive them. I have a dear friend and others, but especially a dear friend who receives, she sits down and she writes. That's something else that I've done for, for probably 20 years at this point. So her way of getting a message is to sit down with a piece of paper and the message comes out. I have people that hear the voices. I have friends that hear the voices. I have friends that see the, see the image of the person and so on. And to me, that's kind of the uniqueness of 
you know, the, when we, my awareness is we're these precious beings forever. We were eternal beings. We choose to live life. We live these life experiences. And when our soul determines that the experience is complete, the soul says, okay, thank you. And so the circumstances to our physical body may not be so great, but the, the soul goes when it chooses to. <clears throat> and my awareness is that the, the veil, so to speak, between physical and non-physical is if we had the full awareness of life and non-physical, then our physical experiences wouldn't be any different. You, you have to have um, you have to have different sets of circumstances to have different experiences. And in those different sets of circumstances, you can have five people experience the same outcome in five different ways. And one of the blessings that I've become aware of in my life is if I say, hey, I hear and see and someone else hears and someone else sees and someone else has to write and someone else has to meditate. There's no right or wrong because each person uh, may receive the same um, message or achieve the same outcome in their own unique way. Can you recall the very first time you heard voices? And if so, how did you react? All right. I got to tell you another story to answer this one. So I had a, um, was very active in my church youth group. All my friends were there. It was phenomenal. And there was uh, one of the people I got to know was a gentleman by the name of Mark. Went to a different high school and so on, but we were always good friends. Great guy. Lots of fun. Um, he, this was back in the late 70s. His, he had the perfect shagged hair, a little bit taller, perfect build. The girls loved him. Great sense of humor. Wasn't the best in school and definitely got a little trouble here and there and so on. But Mark and I were and I was almost the opposite, so to speak. I grew hair, but mine didn't go down. It went kind of out, which was kind of interesting. And and I was probably the kind of kid that most moms would have said, boy, you'd be perfect for my daughter. I, I walked, a, I, I loved my life, but I was definitely probably viewed as a, as a pretty good person. And, and I was, so was my friend, Mark. So to make a long story short, we graduated from high school. I didn't see Mark for probably four or five years. And I happened to have to go to downtown Milwaukee. I lived near Milwaukee, but I didn't like to go downtown. But I had to go down there one day for some reason, which I didn't want to go, but I went. I get off the freeway and I'm at a stoplight right away. And I look next to me and there's a truck with the name of Mark's last name on it. His dad had a company. And I look at this pickup. I'm, oh, that's interesting. Wait a minute. That's Mark's dad's company. And I look up and hear Mark's the one driving. So I haunt. We roll our windows down. Hey, how you doing? We got to get together one of these days. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. About two, three weeks later, I got a phone call that Mark had killed himself. He was dating a young lady and something went awry and she blah, 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 blah. And he hung himself, which wasn't fun, of course, and so on. I, I didn't feel good about the fact Mark had gone, though I still had a piece about it, just knowing that would have been right for him. So his mom asked if I'd be one of the pallbearers. Happy to do so. Of course I would. In our church, the, and I spent my whole life in that church. I loved that church, and it was all my life. So I get to the, the visitation probably 20 minutes early. I walk in the side door. It's a big rectangular church with an altar in the middle, and the casket was by the altar. When I walked in, I saw the, the former girlfriend with on one side talking with a couple of people. I saw his mom. I saw his sister all talking with people. And I thought about, well, I should probably go say hi, but when I looked at the at the uh, pulpit in the middle, there was nobody up by the casket, and I thought, you know, I'm going to probably be talking with people. I don't want to miss this opportunity, so I went up, and it was open casket. I went up and I stood in front of the casket, and I I was just looking at Mark, and he had he and I had such a wonderful, fun relationship, really respected and cared for each other nicely, and as I'm as I'm looking at him, I just kind of let go for a little bit and connected. I just let go. That's the language I would use today. No anger, no peace. I didn't say he did something right or wrong. It was what it was. As I'm standing there in the middle of the church, looking at Mark and kind of just connecting with him, all of a sudden he, he leaps up. He goes <laughs> like that. He, he was laying in a casket and now he's, he's leapt up. His face is about this far from my face, and he is laughing his butt off at me. We, we used to play practical jokes on each other. 
he's laughing and laughing and laughing. I see his face as clear as I see yours. He is laughing and laughing and laughing at me. And I'm like, uh, what? I, I'm not, I don't know how long he laughed for before I, I was trying to figure out what's happening here. And I, after time went by, I don't know if it was 15 or 30 seconds, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, how can I tell if this is real? Because I, I saw it in the newspaper. I mean, there's a casket here. That would be a monster practical joke. But how can I tell? And then my mind's like, well, look at the other people. And I looked at his mom and she's talking to the couple people. And I looked at his former girlfriend and his sister. Like, oh my gosh, he is laughing at me, laughing at me, laughing at me. And he began talking to me that day. And for probably six months or more, talked to me pretty much every single day. Talk, 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 just talking big time. I didn't see him anymore. I literally had his body in front of, I had what I thought was his body in front of me because literally, but eventually I realized his body was still there. But so my, my point is I don't typically see people in that circumstance. I saw him, but that also opened my awareness to, to far greater far more greatly expanded than it had been in the past. Didn't make any sense to me in the moment, but he was the first person that I recall that clearly communicated with me <laughs> in the most unfortunate situation, but in the most hilarious way that he could have. Um, so another one of the foundational building blocks, I, I am well aware my clarity as to that event is every is equally as clear as my eight-year-old experience or equally as clear as you sitting in front of me uh, talking today. And in the beginning, did you think you were going crazy or did you have to surrender to the experience or, you know, how did you come to accept it that this was really I, happening? It, it was, it was so real that I had no doubt about it being real as I said, I literally, <clears throat> I, I, again, we, we had so much fun. We were such good friends and we did, we were great at practical jokes, but I, as I mentioned, after a while, when I was experiencing, and he's less laughing his butt off because he got me, so to speak, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, so in any event, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting caught up in the memory of that taking place. Um, I'm sorry, your question again, I was just wondering, you know, if you had any doubts, did it, did it take you oh, a while yeah. to surrender and finally th say, wow, or think this is actually really happening? Or were you thinking, am I going crazy? Thank you. The, the word surrender is what I did when I got up there. I, I did. I just did a wonderful job of letting go of any thoughts and perspectives and just connecting. And so um, I had, <clears throat> I basically surrendered that day. But as I said, I then went through the mental process of, okay, this is happening. Mark's like right here talking to me and so on. He's as visual as you are in front of me. That's when I began to go down the, okay, hang on a second. I saw this in the paper. You know, I saw it in the church communications. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I, what else can I do? Then I started looking and seeing the other people and realized if they were in on it, if it was a joke, which it was so big at that point, it kind of couldn't have been, but that that's when I realized, okay, this, this isn't a joke. This is a different experience I haven't had before, but I, it was, it was just so, I didn't question it at all. Not unlike the, the near death that I had, or when I was eight years old in the pool, no questioning it at all, no judgment at all, just an awareness of what took place. And so, and again, another really big building block in terms of the progression of my life. And the, the other unique aspect of that situation is, as I mentioned, <clears throat> Mark kept talking to me like day after day after day, holy moly, when he was around, I think he was, he was more a person of a few words. Um, but when he was um, no longer physically here, wow, he was chatting up a storm day after day after day <clears throat> for weeks. I would just listen to it um, like, okay all right, is this, I kind of might've questioned a little bit if it's real, but it just kept coming and it was Mark and things he would say and all the comments, whatever they were, were fine. They made sense. And then I did talk with him a couple of times and he responded right away. 
I just, yeah, I'd say that continued at least for probably six months. And um, it's funny because when I think back upon it, he's, he's always been a part of my life. I, I, I crossed paths a couple of years later with a woman who was a very well-respected psychic by the name of Hattie in the greater Milwaukee area, had the most awesome, among the most awesome hour and a half or two hour experiences of my life where she sat down, we had decided to do a session and she sat there and told me everything about my life. And afterward, I'm like, how did you even know those things? And she said, well, what I do is I kind of see, I, she started by looking right at me and then the whole next hour and a half or so, she was looking off to the side. She, see, I, she said, I see pictures, I see, I see images. I don't necessarily see faces, but I see outlines of all these people. And she was telling me time after time about <clears throat> aspects of my life, including some things that no one else even knew about. She was describing them perfectly. And at the end, she said, you also have many, many, uh, what was the language she used? <clears throat> I'm going to use the term non-physical friends because that's how I categorize people. But she, And I said, well, can you see what do you see? I said, you mentioned you see things. What do you see? She said, well, I can see their images. I can see some of their images. She said, you have a very tall young man standing exactly to your left, tall, slightly thin and slightly muscular. And I knew in a heartbeat that that was, that was um, Mark. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, at that time engaged to a woman that I later married. Um, and uh, even though we got divorced about 20 years ago, she had a grandmother that was extremely large, a wonderfully sweet woman, wonderfully sweet woman. And when I started hanging out with my former wife, we, we used to get a chance to see her and she and I would chat and have fun and she was delightful. And so another one of the people that Hattie had, the psychic Hattie had identified was that she said, you've got next to Marcus, a, a really a very a, a very large woman. I, mean, I knew exactly who that was. So again, the blending of all these experiences just helps it be so helps me be so open to hearing other people's stories and having absolute confidence that it, that's what happened for them, even though other people might think otherwise, because we all have also led so many groups that oftentimes when you have one person that opens up, especially, for example, after a spouse or a loved one passes, Someone will say, you know, I got to tell you that grandpa's been gone for years, but from that first night on, his rocking chair rocks at night. You'll hear, and then suddenly people say, oh my gosh, I get this, I get that. And so these, these experiences are really <clears throat> non-traditional, you know, um, physical experiences are much more a part of life than most of us are aware of. And historically, in things like the indigenous cultures, they would share things like this. They would be, when when the native uh, people, of, I've traveled a lot of the world in my life, and oftentimes when the native people hundreds of years ago would be in their chanting or their dancing, they were dancing with those there and those that were in non-physical, uh, united as one. And so... Life becomes pretty cool when you realize there's something more. And to me, it makes each new day ever more precious as well. Before Mark stopped communicating with you, did he like say a final goodbye and I'm going now? No. Or he just kind of just <clears throat> came to you less and less and then he just stopped he, coming? He came to me less and less, but there's no end. I, I literally, it's fun because I have not thought of him for a little while. And as I'm telling the story of what happened and just he... He so kicked my butt. That's the language that he wants me to share in terms of, of what he did that day. But I, he's always there. If I ever need to reach him, I could have a conversation with him, probably not unlike what we're having. That I, I become, having had so many experiences where I hear things from people, I'm always up for communicating with them, with whomever. But And so many times where I've shared something with someone, I'll be in a grocery line. And, I mean, goofy stuff. When I was a little kid, it's probably... I don't know, nine or something like that, or 10. My mom stopped in front of a grocery store and sent me in with like a dollar to get a gallon of milk. And I'm this whatever nine or 10 year old kid in a waiting with like one person in front of me and two people behind me. And there was a woman who starts talking to me and I'm like, looking around, I'm a little kid. Why are you talking to me? And she was talking about, oh, she was having some difficulty in her life. And I'm like, okay, why are you telling me this? But in the midst of it all, I'm like, well, it sounds like if you just would, I don't recall what my comment was, but 
it, the answer seems so simple. And I shared the answer with her because I heard it. And she's like, oh my God, you're right. That's all I need to do. And so I, I just have, <clears throat> I live my life. I've always lived my life largely through my heart. And um, I'll, I'll modify my language slightly. I believe we can have different perspectives here and here. Almost all the time, mine are in perfect alignment. But if they ever aren't in perfect alignment, I always go with my heart. And so the, I, I just sense and feel what is clear and accurate for me in that way. And it works perfectly for me. It's easy to, to feel, again, I've shared a couple of my stories. I've got a bunch more that all have just been building blocks that help me realize how much more is actually happening than sometimes what we see if we don't step back, take a breath and kind of feel our life as we're living it and be open to, or as you do use the term surrender to the, the structure of concepts that have been programmed into us, so to speak, as right or wrong or good or bad, or this is how this works, or this is how this isn't works, or religion, you know, the native, the native um, practices were always incorporated with the non-physical, whereas the, the traditional church teachings are that we're not worthy and we're sinners and we're going to get judged someday. And of course, neither could be further from the truth. So I didn't hold those truths within me. It made me help me be open to what life shows me. And life showed me a lot of crazy, cool stuff. Did your experience have any impact on your religious beliefs? <clears throat> yes. Yes. And so I was, when you're a pastor's kid, they call them PKs. There's basically two different models. One is you can't get far enough away from the church. That's the most common. I couldn't get close any closer. I just loved it. So I will say that even before those experiences, I'd sit in church and listen to the sermons or listen to the readings and stuff like that. And I was largely in harmony with them and could understand most of them. And there'd be a bunch that, that would be like, you know what, that just doesn't sound right to me. I, I came to understand what love was as my, as my life continued to unfold ever more holistically or comprehensively. And when I would hear of things where there's um, a void of love, that, that didn't feel in alignment with me. And so, yeah, I actually, <clears throat> so I'm chronologically age 62 at this point that I still feel about 38 to 40. But about age 50, I stopped going to the traditional Western church, which my flavor was Lutheran, not because I was mad at anybody or thought anybody was dumb or stupid or bad, but I, I feel that the, um, the essence of all life and the essence of who we all are, we're all individual aspects of something far greater. I'll use the term creator for lack of a better term. And the, the essence of the creator is unconditional love. And as I've said in probably 50 or 100 workshops, give or take how many, how many conditions can you have an unconditional? Can you have 10? No. Are there five? No. Are there two or, or one? No, there's none. So when we hear the West, the religion saying, you know, you've got, you know, depending on how you live your life, if you do the things you're supposed to, and each church has a list of those, and each church has a list of the things you don't, then you, you may get eternity with God in heaven, or you may get eternity without God in a place called hell. Well, that's really a condition. And if the essence of all life and of the creator is unconditional love, then that whole story just, there's no validity to it. And when you realize that we're part of, you know, we are all part of the same oneness, unique aspects and expressions of it. And we together help create eternity in ever expanding ways. Life just becomes far more precious and beautiful. And so all these, all these stepping stones have helped me. They all kind of help build a foundation of an awareness that I've developed in my life that, that um, continues to be a huge blessing to me and that I love sharing bits and pieces with, of with others. You mentioned you give workshops. What do you teach in those workshops? I'd say that the most common workshop I've done over the years that I love to do is creating and living the life of our dreams. From my perspective, to be very brief and simple, the physical universe, again, I made the comment earlier, if, if our awareness when we get to earth is the same it was, as it was in non-physical, then our experience would be the same. And it's not the same. We, we don't have the same full awareness. We have a more limited awareness. But when physicality came into being, physicality was an opportunity for non-physical 
consciousness and or presence and or beings to have different experiences. And so um, when we have the, the range of different experiences available to us in physicality, um, we get to really live our lives as we choose. And again, as the foundation of everything is unconditional love, when physicality was created, it's created in such a way where in essence, like attracts like. So I'll give you a simple example. Say that there are twins in a family, two boys, for example. And one, and let's say they're both 16, 17, 18. Now they're moving on in life, going in different directions. Let's assume one that gets up every single morning and is grateful to start the day and grateful for the way life is going and grateful for this and grateful for that. You watch the path of that person over time. It's going to go in a specific direction in direct alignment with their interaction with life. Now, let's say the other one gets up in the morning and said, oh, another crappy day or got to go to school again or got to go to work again or why do they get everything and I don't. You watch those two people that were in some ways so darn similar, their life paths are going to be so completely different over time based upon the perspectives they choose. So, so that awareness is something that I love to teach in different ways. When you help people become aware that the paths we're living are not something that some God outside of us has created, or it's not some type of a punishment for something we've done, there's no such thing. Our lives always unfold in a manner that's in alignment with, with, I'll use the language, with what we're putting out into the universe. So if we're putting out joy and gratitude and love and appreciation, our pathway is going to be lined with everything more that brings us more joy and love and gratitude and appreciation. And if we want to be bitter and angry, excuse my language, pissed off about life and, and you know, why do they get this and why do they get that and those people are wrong and those people are wrong, then the universe has no filter. The universe's love for us is so great that it's going to line our path with whatever we put out into it. So the reciprocity means we're going to be living a very different life than if we live one focus on gratitude. But regardless of when you catch people in life, as they begin to understand that, they become empowered to change whatever aspects of their life they would like in any way, shape, or form. The, the, the energy that brings life to us and maintains our existence is the same energy that creates worlds. It's limitless power. We have full access to it. We're the ones that are driving the bus, so to speak. So I love doing those types of workshops and being very granular. I always want to make sure when people leave, you don't just have them walking out feeling great. I always want to make sure that they have a list of three or four or five or six or seven or eight things that can help them step by step change their life if they want to. And of course, it's completely up to them to change in any way they'd like or not. It's all not my place to make that decision because in my opinion, we're each responsible for ourselves. So if you're living a life that you're unhappy, disappointed, what do you do to, you know, change direction? Do you try to start thinking happy thoughts or try to be grateful for things in your life or what? I, I think those are two perfect steps. I think the first step is to decide, do you want to change things? <clears throat> I've certainly met people who are caught up in their stories and they're so caught up in their stories, that's where their safety is. And uh, I, one gentleman who nobody I'm sure knows, and I'm not going to say a name or where I know him from, but you'd look at him and say, wow, big home, wonderfully nice wife, good family, tons and tons and tons of money. But oh my gosh, he's had so many challenges in his life. And every time you talk to him, he, he, will, retell, <clears throat> he will retell as many of those horrible stories as you allow. And I'm not kidding. If you sit for an hour and a half, you're going to get like eight different versions of horrible things. So um, my, I don't believe any of our roles is to come up and say, hey, Jeff, you're wrong. You should do that this way. Because I'm not here to say that. You obviously live a beautiful life in a way that's right for you. But I certainly have met a lot of people in my life who were having a varying level of challenges in their life, if not a lot. And and when you realize it's possible to change, then it does start with you've, I mean, you, you have a lot of momentum because you've lived maybe decades in a certain way, looking at the things that are wrong or telling stories that aren't. So little baby steps, first things first, you want to experience your life differently. Many people would say, I would love to, I've just had enough. Super cool. Because if that's the case, then maybe establish a little bit of a greater awareness. 
If something's coming out that doesn't feel good, oh, Jeff, did I tell you about the time I stubbed my toe and I, or this bad thing happened in my life? Does it feel good? No, it doesn't. So for me, I use the example of like a white flag. I'll say, okay, or red, pick a color. When you start sensing those things coming out and they don't feel good, you're potentially going to line your path with more. Do you want to do that or not? If you don't, then, oh, hang on a second. What did that guy that talks so fast say? Oh, that's right. If it doesn't feel good, maybe just develop an awareness and don't say, oh, that's right, I'm so dumb and stupid. They're not any of those things. But maybe try to lessen the things that are not in alignment with what we want to experience. And as you said, in that same moment, I can look around and say, oh, wow, look at the beautiful sunshine or look at the beautiful rain that's bringing life or look at the sun or the moon or look at the my granddaughter or my grandson or whatever it might be. As we begin to focus on anything, you can focus as specific as you want or anything general, not even related to this specific topic. Like for example, if someone's having a tough time with money, if you can help them shift to being grateful for other aspects of their life, the money can't help but not come along as well. But you gotta stop talking the story. I can't afford that. I never get the money. Why don't I ever get the raise? Why don't you have to let those things go? So, I, and again, I'm not saying people have to do that, but if they want to experience the change, um, if we realize we're the creators of our life paths, then if we want to experience something differently, it helps to become aware that it really starts with our perspectives first. And, and even envisioning things that are joyful and happy, you know, even if life is so bad, you can't think of anything in the moment, then think of something that brings you joy or happiness. Remember a great childhood experience or dream about that vacation of being on some cool, warm beach somewhere with your sweetheart. I did that a lot of times. I had a gap between my first and second marriage of 16 years. And I could not, the first one was a perfect blessing for me at a time. Boy, my second, it's been five years and I, I'm just head over heels in love with life and having the most beautiful experience. But I learned also a lot along the way and I helped pave a pathway that was ridiculously as a 10 year pathway that got me from, from what appeared to be just a strange, unusual experience to a woman showing up in a faraway country that I never expected to go to and so on. So yeah, we can over, and I've helped, as I mentioned to you, I think I might've mentioned before we went live. I also learned how to do energy healing years ago and mm -hmm. same thing. <clears throat> we can heal from anything. There's no limitation to what we can heal from until our last breath. Um, so no matter what the doctors say, they're just sharing the best that they know based upon their experience and their training, most of which is supported by the pharmaceutical industry. And so that's the direction most of those go and not necessarily bad, but that may not be right for any, everybody. And there's nothing we can't heal from. There's nothing we can't experience when we begin to understand we're the creators of our lives. You have a book out and it's called It Is I, Jesus. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Happy to do so. In fact, I'll, I'll read the rest of the title. Um, it Is I, Jesus, a book of my life, the creator, healing, creating, and truths of eternal existence. It's available on Amazon, but you might have to look for a bit. That's what it looks like. Um, and my name is Eric, E-R-I-K-A-S-W-E-N-S-O-N. So this kind of falls fits into some of our prior conversation. <clears throat> I mentioned writing. I probably 15, 20 years ago just started sitting down in the morning and writing would just flow. I would sit down with a notebook and the writing would flow. I'm not thinking of anything. I'm just basically taking dictation. I have hundreds of spiral notebooks that are filled. I, 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 over time, they were just amazing. And this still happens to me sometimes. If I'll sit down, the writing will come. It's just that way. But I've also mentioned that I hear and sense clear communications. So probably four years ago now, three, three, maybe four years ago this fall, I get up in the morning, I, I hear this, hey, you want to write a book with me? This is Jesus. I'm like, okay. So got up that morning and I thought, okay, my life is kind of pretty full from about maybe 5.30 in the morning till probably 10 at night. If I'm going to do this, which I'm all in on, I want to do something different. So what I started doing the next day is I set my alarm for three o'clock in the morning and got up and went down to my kitchen table. And I wasn't clearly quite wide awake. I do well in the mornings, but I was still going to bed at 10 or 10.30 or 11. 
but for about five or six weeks, every single morning, I got up at three in the morning and I would, the writing would just flow and flow and flow and flow. And typically about 5.30 or so, 5.15 to 5.45, then the thoughts would become complete for the day. And so after about, this started in October, the book was actually released on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I think it was Christmas Eve in the, in the uh, uh, paperback and Christmas Day in the hard copy, if I remember. It was a beautiful experience. Many of the thoughts and ideas that, that came out were thoughts and ideas that I was already aware of. Many weren't. Um, and at times I felt clear interaction. Um, at Iowa, my preference, my thought was to stay just neutral and, and take what came, excuse me, which I did. But there were times where we were communicating together. Um, I was trying to maintain my sterility, so to speak. But it clear there was just fun, beautiful communication. And the, the essence of it, you know, I mentioned I become aware of what I believe and understand to be truths that are really that differ somewhat significantly from some of the teachings that have been passed on. Um, clearly, I believe the creator, the essence of the creator is unconditional love. I believe the essence of Jesus was certainly unconditional love. And there's just a lot of conditions that have been placed in stories and a lot of perspectives of sin, a, a, a misunderstanding of sin, unworthiness, um, and so on, none of which it's all fabricated, but you make billions of people feel bad. I, I've had many, 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 many people say that by the time they got to 30 or 40, they knew they had done so many things wrong. It's like, how could God ever, ever even forgive me for something like that? And it's, it's really um, unfortunate that this precious being of endless unconditional love, we're somehow made to feel that we're not worthy and somebody had to intercede to kind of cover all the mistakes we made, all mythological stuff. Jesus' teachings, the few that you actually can understand or read in the Bible, not a lot of commentary from him. He was reading and teaching in the temples in his early teens, 12 or 13 or 14, depending. But for some reason, when the Bible books were chosen, they didn't happen to choose anything that he wrote. But you just have a different understanding of the comments that he made. He had a much more holistic understanding like that, which we're talking about today. Certainly knew who we were and what we're capable of. And he created so beautifully and wonderfully in his life because he understood how to do it. And he was in perfect alignment. So it's a beautiful book. It's very empowering. It, um, I, may, I had somebody very lightly edit it. And I, I'm getting a sense internally that I may actually have somebody edit it further. So there may be a different version coming out in the months ahead, but it, it definitely has some wonderful truths in it. And it's not about him recounting every step of his journey. He's really more addressing aspects of it and, and helping to frame them in manners that are more accurate than what, what the teachings have evolved to over time. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit chat. Are you open to that? And if so, absolutely. How should they sure. connect with you on your website or Facebook or email? So yeah, my, my first thought would be a website. And I, I do have the ericswenson.com website. Um, and I have just put a few things on it. I do some things called global healing circles. I've had some different websites in the past, and this is kind of a compilation of a couple of them. And it's not something I'm, I put a lot of energy into late, but you can contact me there. I'm also on Facebook as well. Um, and you'll see me sitting on a pier on a sunny day um, <clears throat> under the Eric Swenson and so on. And uh, so would welcome the chance to chat with people. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh, just I feel just the swelling within me. If, if we all had any clue how treasured and cherished we have been since, this, since the moment of our inception and will continue being throughout the last breath of this life and forevermore, we would be jumping for joy each and every single day. I used the term sin a couple minutes ago, the misunderstanding. We're, we're these beautiful eternal beings that live life and grow and expand through the experiences we have. So if every experience was, wow, happy, happy, joy, joy, then we'd only know the happy, happy, joy, joy. So there are times where we stop, stub our toe or things happen that we don't ex expect, but they're always, there's always such a greater beauty to them. So if we can learn to surrender to the things that, that don't feel bad, meaning just surrender all the thoughts that our minds are saying, no, 
don't get it in this moment. I know it's perfect. I'll understand it at some point. We can go back to living in this place of beauty and joy and love and light. So the things that happen that are good, they really are good. The things that happen that don't feel like they're good or don't appear to be good, they're really good too. Just let them go. They're, they help us learn. And as we create based upon what we know, those are wonderful catalysts for creating something brand new that we've never experienced before. So just know how loved you are, how treasured you are, not as you might be someday if you start walking your path more perfectly. You are walking your path perfectly every single day exactly as you are. If you want to have more or less fun, you know how to dial it up or down now because we've chatted about that. But just know how awesome you are. And when this life journey is complete, we're all going back to the exact same place we came from. We can start all over again if and whenever we want. And it's a beautiful eternal journey. And I'm grateful, Jeff, to be sharing. I'm deeply and profoundly grateful to share this experience with you. And I thank anybody who's hung in here with us for the whole hour for for being who you are and for exactly the way you're living life. Eric, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. My pleasure, Jeff, and thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.